Blog Talk Radio. I sound a little raspy, well, <clears throat> my allergies or my sinuses and or everything, the weather here in Houston, Texas and South Texas is a very cold and it's extremely damp, it's like 100% humidity and it's cold and my throat is raspy and so apologize for that. I will try to be quick on the cough button uh, today, um, but I apologize ahead of time if I'm not. So, hey, it's Friday. Thank God we made it to Friday, and here we are. And if you are tuned in and you're hearing my voice, you are listening to Taylor Terror Radio, TaylorTerrorRadio.com, where you can find uh, myself and Tara, me being Jason, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. If you like to follow us on Twitter, please do so. Um, you can follow me at J Wade Taylor. You can follow Tara on Twitter at Tara Dublin Rocks, and we encourage everyone to follow the show account on Twitter, Taylor Tara Radio on Twitter. We also have an Instagram that I'm getting more used to posting things to. I guess sort of fun. I think maybe as much as I hate social media, I like that one because I don't have to interact with people really. But <laughs> the chat room here on BTR, Block Talk Radio, is open. You can get in there, sign in as a guest, or create a free Block Talk Radio account. And uh, the phone number today, maybe we'll take some calls today. It is the Friday wrap. It's just me and Tara. 323-870-3499. And I welcome my good friend and co-host, Tara, how are you this morning, my dear? Good morning, Jason. Um, before we jump into politics or news or whatever, I want to take care of a small amount of non-political housekeeping here. Um, I just I have a really good friend who's having 
a major life event this weekend, and I want to give him a big shout out because it's been a long time coming. Congratulations to my very good friend, Doug Adams. Those of you who watch the Top Chef on Bravo, Top Chef is, you know, a very popular television program. My friend Doug, as well as my friend Gregory Gorday, participated in Top Chef season 12, which uh, was shot in Boston, but we had two Portland chefs, and I watched that whole season. And I won't lie, Doug Adams is adorable. And I had a little bit of a crush on Doug that whole season. And he came in third. Uh, and you would actually like him a lot, Jason, because he's a Texas boy originally and uh, does some amazing things with barbecue and fried chicken. And t- tomorrow, he finally opens his restaurant here in Portland. It's called Bullard. Uh, and he's been working on this for two years. And so congratulations, Doug Adams. We love you here in Portland. We're incredibly proud of you. And I personally can't wait for the opening night uh, food festivities. So, you know, we have to remember that in this world, good things can still happen. And one of those is that people who have a dream can actually work really hard and make them happen and make them reality. So congratulations to Dougie. And if you are in the Portland area or you're coming to visit Portland at any time in the near future, you must, must put Bullard on your list of places to check out. Any hoozle there. So, so Tara, what is, excuse me. Yes, sir. Um, So this uh, this is going to be a, I kind of missed that part. I was, had the cough button on. I was over here hacking up. Are you hacking? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so is this going to be a barbecue place? Not strictly. Um, it's a but, Texas, but, you know, basically, but, but, well, it's named after on. his hometown of Bullard, Texas. Right. Um, no, and I so, know where Bullard is. Yeah, no, I'm familiar. So that's where he grew up. Um, so you guys, you know, so, his, but he is going to be offering barbecue there, right? He's going to be offering his Texas Red. Okay. He's so, be, let me just jump in and say this to everyone there. Mm-hmm. You're going to go there, you're going to eat this barbecue, and it's going to be the best fucking barbecue <laughs> you ever had, because Word. Texas barbecue, we have this argument around down here in the South, but Texas barbecue is the best. I mean, I think that North Carolina and Georgia might put up a fight, yeah, well, but we have, that's, that's yes, a contest we, I'm happy to judge. Um, people here in Portland, first of all, First of all, in case you don't know this about Portland, Portland is very star fuckery. Everybody loves it when someone gets some kind of celebrity that they can glom onto. So, I mean, and Doug was a rising star here in Portland before he was on Top Chef. Um, He was a very young head chef at this great restaurant called Imperial. um, And he's had a really good track record here in Portland. And he's just an all-around good guy. And I like it when good people, when good things happen for good people. That's that's encouraging. So not just Texas Red, but he literally makes the world's best fried chicken, the literally the best. And I, I can say I've been friends with Doug for a while. I've actually had that fried chicken cooked for me in my own kitchen. So I've had a top chef cook in my kitchen and it was just cool to watch, you know, to watch technique right up close and how he, you know, he's very casual about the way he cooks and he's very relaxed in the kitchen as, you know, anybody who you know, is, is steeped in their own milieu will be, you know, an artist comfortable in front of the, the canvas, a, a pianist comfortable at the keyboard. Doug is that at the, at the, at, in his kitchen. So uh, incredible food, 
cooked by a good human being. He just got engaged. Like life is good for Doug Adams. And I'm just so happy for him because it was a struggle for him to make this happen. And so um, we hopefully in the near future, I would love it. Like, I don't know why Top Chef has not filmed here in Portland because this is, aside from being a huge star fuckery city, this is still a huge food city. And great restaurants are opening all the time. Great restaurants are celebrating milestone anniversaries. Um, so we are, you know, we're lucky still in that respect. And so I would expect Top Chef to come here and shoot at some point. Um, and then the other thing is, and I don't know if I've ever explained this. I love how we're just like not talking about politics yet, but I'm like an incredibly picky eater. So someday I would love to be able to pitch the idea to Tom Colicchio from Top Chef. Um, either my own show that I host where like I get people to try to make me like food that I don't like like go around to a chef and say, okay, I hate cilantro. I believe it is the devil's herb. Cook me something with cilantro in it that I will like. I think either that or that would be like a good challenge on Top Chef. So, and the new season of Top Chef just started and uh, there's a cool guy from Jersey. Like his, his name is David. Oh God, it starts with a V. I just tweeted about him earlier. Uh, I have him pegged as an early contender because not just because he's from Asbury Park, but, and not just because he's really cute. He seems to be a really great chef as well. So I enjoy those cooking shows. I don't really enjoy cooking that much myself. I like to make breakfast. I like to bake, but uh, as far as like being forced to make a dinner that I feel that pressure that I don't want to feel, and I'd rather have somebody cook for me. So um, just, you know, I wanted to start the show on a positive note because I mean, we have other positive things to talk about, but I think it's really important for us to remember that goodness continues. And it's also important to uh, hold our friends up and shine the light on them when they deserve it. So uh, well-deserved, good on you, Doug Adams. Huzzah. And moving on. So, Tara, you Are tweeted you- something that I found. Um, this is, again, we're not on politics yet here because I really Yay. thought this was funny as hell. And, and okay. let me... Let, let, yeah, no, I did. I, I laughed my we'll ass there. off because, yeah, I laughed. Yeah, we'll get to politics. Don't worry. And, <laughs> but you, you laughed yeah, at something I tweeted some, that makes you, me happy. Yeah, you shared something. I laughed my ass off. Now, I've had, I've been to Portland one, two, three. Um, I've been there a few times. Um, once when I was, yeah, once when my, actually my, my, my Aunt Bonnie and her husband and family lived there. I went there when I, I don't know what I was like ten or something. But but since then I've been there. I've been I've been there. A, 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 a few, I know what it was. Okay. Yeah yeah I'm getting there. Hold on hold on. Don't ruin right. it for me. Let me do it. I'm not gonna. But I'm gonna I'm gonna get it ready I, to tweet I, again because I don't remember because I don't remember the actor's name right now off the top of my head. Uh-huh. But but uh-huh. I'll, I'll let you I'll let you add it on that. But I've been to Portland sure. a few times after a, after when I was young. I went there for a wedding. I went to Newport Beach for a beautiful wedding there on the beach in, in Newport Beach, Oregon. And um, so I, I've been there. I know, you know, and, and I get to, you know, I, you know, I watch all the shows. I see the culture and everything. And, you know, of course, Portlandia. I love that show so much. And uh, so this so there's this commercial. Tara tweets out this this. This com- I'm like, where the hell did this come from? And I clicked over. It was from a Portland publication, and Portland, an Oregon uh, publication, and it was on this on this gin. And um, yep. what was the name of the gin? 
It's aviation gin, which is and, distilled here yeah. in Portland. Um, yeah, okay. Who is the actor? Who is the actor? It's Ryan Reynolds. Okay, Ryan Reynolds. Okay, so let me go from here, and then, Jerry, you can chime in. So Ryan Reynolds, um, he's a partner. He's, and I was reading the whole thing. He's a partner in aviation in gin. Gin, like gin, gin and juice, and uh, you drink like the and get drunk. Like the main owner. Right, he's like the main owner. So he makes this, this he, he does this, uh, and it's made in Portland, and he, and he has this kind of, this commercial that he's narrating, that he's in, and... Um, right, it, how it, they it, make it, the aviation gin. Yes, it is so... <laughs> if, if, you have, if you have an image of Portland in your mind from, like, Portlandia, and you watch this, you're like, up, oh, see, there, I told you, they're just like that. I mean, so is... I just tweeted it out again. I would love to get Ryan Reynolds' attention, because I think he's so funny. He's the funniest so, and I love part of your tweet. The funniest part of your tweet, besides the commercial, was um, they uh, what they they didn't use. You tweeted something to the effect that they didn't use. Um, they used real glass. Well, when I said from. yeah, so I the, the the original tweet is the only misstep from this hilarious aviation gin ad is that they should be serving it in a compostable glass, and then in yeah. all caps yeah. because Portland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, originally, when it was announced that Ryan Reynolds was purchasing Aviation Gin, I had tweeted um, something about how he's going to be required to brew kombucha and wear suspenders. And he had liked that tweet, which was like, that's incredible. He has like bazillion followers. So the fact that he even saw it is great. But I loved in the, if you, so I just tweeted it from at Tara Dublin Rocks. I quote tweeted it and tweeted it again um but he, the article about the the his purchasing it and about it like if you read the article around the video they refer to him as a human smirk and i just love that description of him because he always looks like he knows something you don't know and he's just he's so funny I just, I've always liked him and i'm incredibly jealous of blake lively because i think he's one of He's one of the more perfect examples of of human maleness that you can present out there currently. So, um, and for someone who's like completely starved for human male attention that is consistent, uh, he is held up. Like, I think they're total couple goals. They're a good couple. Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Like, those are the goals that I want. Uh, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. I want that. So those are, I look at those couple, those celebrity couples and you're like, yeah, they make sense. Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. I like to look at them and say, that would be nice. So um, anyway, I like all of this, like not political stuff for a little bit. It's nice. Yeah. And I, I no, mean, we're, we'll, get to, we'll get to it. Is there any other like, no, oh, apparently last night, by the way, we'll get, we'll, we'll maybe uh, get to politics in a couple of seconds, but all last night, Trending was a huge, huge deal. Apparently, Jason, we have to talk about this. It's something that's impacting the whole country. Apparently, Kanye and Drake have beef. It's getting bad. The Kanye and Drake. I have no idea what the fuck that any of it is about. And I could not care less. Why do people care if two people are fighting or they don't like each other? Why is that a thing? Can you? I because I'm so far removed from it. 
like all I ever see are people are fighting like Nikki and Cardi B. Nicki Minaj and Cardi B are always fighting and Drake and Kanye always have beef. These are important things like they matter to people. I'm not I'm not like busting on this. I want to understand why people get so invested because like you don't hear about this kind of thing outside of rap culture and or hip hop culture and I'm again not ba- not bagging on it at all I find it fascinating I really do that people get this invested in people other people's personal lives where I mean I guess it's the cult of celebrity but it's nothing that you really hear about like you don't hear like Dave Grohl has beef with James Hetrick from Metallica you don't hear that and you don't hear I don't I don't know I don't know but I mean maybe sometimes you do like Axl Rose gets into trouble or Eminem got in trouble but it's always trending number one at night, Jason, like these, these people having beef with each other. And I, I read all the tweets and I find it really fascinating, but I like, don't get it. Like why it becomes yeah, I don't a ever thing. Read any of those. I see it. Unless it's somebody it's nice that I'm like really interested. Only because I find it fa- a fascinating break from politics because it's still the same sort of, you know, people imparting their opinions on other people's lifestyles and livelihoods. And that's something that we do in this country. We comment on celebrity culture. We comment on our politicians, on our public figures, but it seems to be a different framing in different subsets of culture. You know, there's a certain way that they're presented to society. And I I just find it so interesting and um, the, and also hilarious. Like if you go through like, I, I don't think enough people spend time reading black Twitter, which you absolutely should because um, uh, for it's, first of all, it's just, if you're going to create an, a, a, a culture where we um, interact with each other and we respect each other and we honor each other and we hold each other up and we shine a light, it is really important to step outside your comfort zone and, spend time in a group of people that you don't belong with. Like you weren't born into it, uh, but you support it. And that's how you become a citizen of the world. And you spend time in other communities and you learn about those communities so that you can support those communities to the best of your ability. I think that's our responsibility as human beings, right? Not to just uh, witness other cultures, not just to comment on other cultures, but to to spend time in other communities and learn rather than just be an outside observer. Because if you're not informed and you're making opinions, you just you sound like an idiot. But if you spend time with people and you can say, you know what, I've spent time volunteering with the LGBTQ community and I can tell you this. And I've spent time volunteering within the Muslim community and I can tell you this. Um, and when when we do that, when you take that time and you learn about other cultures and other communities, it makes you a better person. It makes you a better and more well-rounded individual um, without trying to be preachy about it. And I think that's that's a line that I think some people are are worried about, right? You don't want to feel like uh, you're appropriating. You don't want to be stepping on anybody else's culture. Um, I am always about learning what I'm not aware of. You know, when we had our friend Charlotte Clymer on a couple of months ago. We need to have her back, by the way. She's amazing. Um, just learning about the correct language around the transgender 
community and what you can and cannot say and the best way to hold them up. And so, well, I, um, I, you know, it's, it's just, it's important when you are in within and whatever community you belong to takes. Well, time. there's a lot of people that know me on, yeah. on, you know, on, you know, social media, which I don't pay any attention to really for the most part anymore. But with that said, everybody knows I grew up in the hood. So in the uh, hood. I grew I grew up in the hood. The mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in the hood here in Houston, in a very diverse area of Houston. So, for me, um, you know, those were, you know, I didn't grow up in a lily white neighborhood, and I didn't grow up in, um, in you know, in those sort of surroundings. You know, um, the majority of my neighborhood was Hispanic and black. So. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just where I grew up. So I was a part of that culture growing up. You know, we took vacations together. We went to parties together. We slept, we, you know, we spent the night with each other. We sleepovers, the whole nine yards. You know, that's just how, where I grew up. So I was, a, you know, I tell people that, you know, and being raised by, you know, four women and, and growing up in that culture, I was never subject to um, any sort of um any sort of racism, racism or, or racist jokes or any kind of that, any, any of that stuff, you know, I, I, that's wonderful. Know, I mean, I wasn't. It really so, is. And it's an anomaly in our society. If you think about it, yeah, because well, everyone's yeah. taught from an early age. They're, those people are yeah. different. Those people are different. Those people right. are different. I mean, I would be like over, like, you know, one of my, one of my best friends, still one of my best friends to this day, Frederick and his brother, Black. I, you know, we all go fishing together, him and his dad, you know, and, you know, they, I mean, I just, you know, I hung out with them and, and, you know, we're still really good friends to this day. You know, they have, you know, I mean, when you grow up around these people and you, and, and, and you grow up in that culture um, and they grow up in your culture and it's, it's, it's just kind of this great melting pot and you all worship together. That's what America you, is supposed to be. Yeah, That's America exactly. It's finest. So I think I where think. you get the disconnect, I think where you get the disconnect is when you get like these, you know, you, you get, um, you know, somebody that I, and, and I'm just going to say, I don't care because, you know, everybody knows I've got a problem with Shannon Watts. So, but you get somebody like Shannon Watts who comes from an elite, rich, white neighborhood coming to these cities, going to the richest, whitest parts of the cities and uh, raising absurd amounts of money. Or photo ops with Michael Bloomberg, and just I could go on and on. I've got a lot of problems with Shannon Watts. I, do I think her cause is a good one? Absolutely, I do. I mean, look at my pinned tweet. You know how I feel right. about, you know, guns. So um, yes, I do. But I've got a but I've got an issue with Shannon Watts and how she, you know, when she chooses to go to these cities, she always. Oh, she never goes to the. She never goes to a diverse area of the city. She never goes to a minority area of the city. When she came here to Houston, she went straight out to the Woodlands, which is lily white and rich. And you know, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, that's fine. Listen, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not one of those people that are like all down on, you know, like, you know, and this could actually we'll segue over here into politics with this. You know, I, you know, on the show last. Um, was it on our last show, maybe, Tara, we were talking about possible, you, oh, you had asked me about possible candidates. And I think you said yeah. that, and I I would never have, I did. I went back and listened to that, and I think you might have 
remembered or, or you, but I know I never, I think what I, what I said was that I would never, you couldn't put um, a Beto and Biden together because, you know, well, you'd get the cry out there. Oh no, two white guys together. You know, even though that ticket makes a lot of sense. I mean, that ticket makes a lot of sense, but Harris and Biden make even more sense, not because she's a woman of color, but because, um, and we're going to get to Sheriff's tweet here in a second, but I just want to finish this up, is that Harris, Biden make a lot more sense um, for a number of reasons. Um, the big, and I'm, and I'm going to tell you the biggest one, whether you like it or not, the biggest one is it keeps Hillary out. I mean, because Hillary wants <laughs> Harris. I, I mean, I'm just being honest. It, I'm just being honest. She, that's what Hillary wants. She wants her gals. I mean, that's from, that's, that's, I'm yeah. quoting. And she's not quoting. actually going to run. We don't, yeah. I she mean. Wants her, yeah, she wants Harris on a ticket, and she wants Gillenbrand to have a high-level cabinet position. If she, you know, and I've always been, I, people like to dog Gillenbrand a lot. I've always been a big Gillenbrand fan. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I mean, she's pretty damn progressive, you know, I mean. Yeah. But, but yeah, but anyway, so share tweets, so share tweets, Biden, Beto, 2020. And I'm, I just simply I'll, quote I, you and said, I'm, I'm yeah, so like I was like, you said it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said it because, I mean, she's not the know, first if, one to say it clearly. There's a lot of Facebook people saying it as well. Right. But, and so, but, you know. But she can. But there's there's where the there's where my problem lies is that she can get away with that. Um, now, yeah. if you know, if me or you were sitting there, you know, hammering it, and you know, every day, you know, we had it in our bio. I won't. I've taken all political stuff out of my bio on on social all social media, um, which consists of Twitter. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, better better Biden Beto than Biden Romney, whatever Politico. Come on. I don't think that will happen, but but I, but... Wong can't took Politico down for that, and it was glorious. They were like, you know what? Sometimes Politico does stuff, but then Politico becomes Politico again, and fuck you. Yeah. I can't have Biden and Romney, no. But she tweeted that, and that, you know, I did, and I said, I said, you know, I'm glad you said it, you know, because it, it is a ticket that makes sense. Um, it's going to, you're it, two white guys, people, but people don't want to hear that. So, you know, and that's fine. And I understand why. And I get it all. Also I'm discussed, just, yeah, I'm sorry. We've also discussed how Beto's not really ready to run in 2020. And he also not. probably would not want to run in the VP slot. No, and that's probably he, he, we're looking yeah. at a 2024, 2028 yeah. presidential run. Yeah. For Beto, he doesn't fit he, that you know. role. Yeah, he just doesn't. The VP he doesn't role, no. To, yeah, no, he doesn't fit that role. But he's gonna wait. No, he, I mean, Castro, I like. However, what's that? I like I like Julian Castro a lot in a VP position. I really do, and I know that he's uh, got the exploratory committee going, and he was on. Uh, gosh, who was he? Yeah. He was on with Lawrence O'Donnell the other day. The other yeah. day, and yeah, Lawrence yeah. saying uh, he was like the first of the almost, you know, basically declared candidates for 2020. And I like Julian Castro a lot. I don't think he has the dynamic that the dynamics needed for a presidential uh, candidate. That's not saying he's not a good candidate, 
but the he doesn't have that dynamic personality that immediately like you're like hey who are you snap to attention at least that's not what i saw the other night with lawrence o'donnell there wasn't enough light in his eyes um and it could be he was just tired i don't know i don't know julian castro personally but i do know that he would be an excellent vp candidate so that's what i would like to see and if it was a biden castro i could live with that because at least there would be a person of color on the ticket personally i would rather see a woman with julian castro uh, who knows what will happen again, Hillary Clinton's still the most qualified person in the United States of America who isn't named Nancy Pelosi for the job, the most qualified. Um, yeah, well, so, I mean, you, you've got to say, but if she's not but good, also, I would like her to declare early one way or the other, because this, if maybe when, maybe who knows what about this, that, the other, if she would just declare her intentions soon, that'd be great. Well, because then, yeah. then you don't have to worry about is she, isn't she, and then you can have a really a genuine discussion who we should be running in 2020. Because if you remove her from the equation, you have one discussion, but if she's part of the equation, the discussion is completely different. I, I think there's, I mean, you've got to, you know, when they say, when, when you say Hillary is the most qualified person, she's, I, I think you have to put also, you, I mean, you have to put Biden up there too, saying he's he's pretty damn qualified. I mean, serving eight years as vice president under President Obama, I mean he's pretty damn qualified. Spending his pretty much his lifetime in the Senate, you know, he's he's pretty qualified. Yeah. So I mean he is, you know, he is. Um, but yeah, see. no. Um, we will see. I, I yeah, I mean the scenario I like to see play out. Is is because well one it, it would you know and again look I've supported Hillary and if she was the was the Democratic oh. choice I would absolutely support I would absolutely support her again but um, uh, breaking uh, excuse me pardon me for interrupting Jason but we do have some breaking news this okay. is the glory of doing a live show we have breaking news Chris Christie has declined the role of White House Chief of Staff. He doesn't want Otis to be a part of that clusterfuck. <laughs> Otis doesn't want to go to Otisville anymore. Oh, Chris Christie declining chief of staff. Now that wow. is a big one, no pun intended, because yeah. remember when remember when Chris Christie thought he might have been Donald Trump's VP choice? Remember when Chris Christie thought he was the favored son? Remember all of that? Not anymore. Not well, he anymore. He thought for sure he was going to get the AG's role. Then he didn't. And he's like, right. I didn't get what I want. I don't want what you're offering. So, well, I uh, mean, look, also- about, who takes that? I mean, I just wrote, I just, like, right before we were going on the air, I wrote a tweet, and I had written. I wrote a tweet said, "Accepting the position, <laughs> accepting the position of Trump's chief of staff at this juncture in our nation's history is tantamount to booking passage on the Titanic while the band is playing near my God to thee." A hundred percent. you do yeah. not join a failing operation. You just don't. It doesn't look good for you. I mean that um, song is so, playing right now. You know, you got the violinist and the yeah, cellist. Oh my and, God, do they, yeah. I suggest that Donald Trump find a door to float on. That's what I suggest. Who? 
because... I don't know who <laughs> takes that job. I, You know what? If I was... Jared Kushner, apparently. That's another name that's being floated. Jared, he, they might, who? you know what? They might as well give it to him because if why it's not, all going to end soon, what the fuck does it matter? He just, why, here is my, this is what, you know what? Let me put my, if I was Trump, you know what I would do? Just getting in play with his mindset, I would just say, screw it. I'm going to make, no pun intended with this name, but I would just put Ivanka. Uh, make her, she might as well be. Well, the the thing is, and this was also discussed uh, last night on I I don't remember which show, but um, it's you know not just, keep it in the family, baby. <laughs> that yes, but here's the well well part that, in that respect it makes sense because if you're chief of staff, you have to deal with the kids as they're known. Uh, you also, however have to deal with the entire staff and their personality conflicts and their scheduling requests and all of the things that require, like being a, ma- you're like basically being a manager of the shittiest Applebee's that's ever existed. Okay. Cause there's more turnover and more excuses for people not doing their jobs than any place else I have ever seen in my life. Okay. So they don't, Jared and Ivanka do not want to deal with the day to day of, who didn't come to work, what job isn't filled yet, who's got a problem with whom, who needs to take sick leave. They don't want to deal with the minutia of dealing with regular people. They're too above that. And that's why you haven't seen them in the chief of staff role at this point, because they don't want to deal with, you know, you know, trivial tasks like actually working. So that's the issue with the chief of staff role, because it's, you're not just managing uh, whoever the president is. You're managing everybody in the White House. And that's a huge job. Um, and if they gave it to Jared, it would be like he was trying to walk around shaking hands with everybody at his own bar mitzvah all day. Thank you for coming. Hi, who are you? Like he wouldn't know anyone. He'd feel lost. He'd be wandering around going, okay, now how do we know you? What table are you at? Um, so, you know, neither of them would be effective in that role because none, neither of them um, are management people. You know, they have no management potential, but n- nobody over there does. So basically, Donald Trump is going to go take 16 days off for Christmas. To get, he's been working very hard, and clearly he needs that amount of time off. Um, they're going to finish this year with John Kelly in the role. And I think they're going to begin 2019 with literally nobody in the position. Nobody wants it. Yeah. They turned down Mark, Mark Meadows, like was actively campaigning for it, but ultimately was turned down. And there's gotta be a reason for that. Cause he was one of the few who said, yes, I would want that. And they were like, well, no, you can't have it. So there has to be a reason they didn't bring in Mark Meadows. Well, he's fairly, and he's he's as complicit as they come. Yeah, he's fairly toxic himself, so. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, who isn't? So everybody connected with this administration is, you know, awful. It it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, well, he keeps keeps going back to previous administrations to try to stuff this one, because, I mean, he's trying to put Barr in the attorney general role. It wouldn't surprise me if he went back to other administrations like, well, who can I get? Who would who? I mean, who, who can he put? Rick Santorum? Corey Lewandowski? I mean, get the worst of your worst people now. Just 
find who's left? I don't think who's any of those people it? take it. I, I no. I, so who, who I needs heard, a job? Scott I Dale heard, needs a job. James yeah. Woods needs a job. Why do you put James Woods in charge of all of those people? <laughs> Oh, Lee, man, I tell you, what a mess that is. You know, and, and Why don't you put Sheriff David Clark in charge of everybody? Yeah, Rick Wilson said, uh, or or he, he kind of, um, um, uh, he, he, well, he, he tweeted, he, he said uh, possibly, or uh, Newt Gingrich. <laughs> so. Great. You have Stafe Puffed in, in that role, that guy. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, sure. <laughs> They're you need to get useless. somebody. I mean, you, you know what? You you damn. You know what, Terry? You damn near need to get somebody that's half crazy, and and maybe got the onset of dementia to take that gig. <laughs> I mean, and that's well, really who's sad. Who's that's dementia. Who's left? Yeah. Rudy Giuliani. Right. There you go. Put Rudy Giuliani as chief of staff. There you go. Yeah. Put the crypt that's keeper really, in charge. And that you know that says a lot because that. That really, really speaks to um, <clears throat> to Trump and this this administration because that's a prized position. I mean, that position in any other administration, past, it's a prized position. Yes. Yeah, right. Uh, right. This one, I mean, that's a <clears throat> that's something that can. In this you one, know, it's a punishment. <laughs> yes. I don't like you. I'm going to make you chief of staff. Um, did you also happen no, to see, while this Mishigas is going on, Sarah Sanders was on, went on The View, and I don't know why they would have her on, but she said she wanted to be remembered as somebody who always presented the, the truth accurately and fairly and, and is remembered in that respect. And I thought I would rip a hole in my lung from laughing so hard. Are you fucking serious? Anybody coming? How can you be that obtuse about yourself? Like, I... If you were asking me how I want to be remembered, I would say certain things, but I'm well aware of all of my flaws. Nobody can beat me up better than me, okay? So you don't, there's nothing you can tell me about myself that I'm not aware of, okay? I may not be aware of it in the moment, but I know I have that capacity. If she's going to walk around and be that clueless and she thinks she's going to be rem- remembered by history kindly, go right ahead, Sarah. Live in your bubble with your head buried that far in the sand is beyond me but if that's how you want to live out the rest of your life that's great just wait until the history books come out remembering this period of american history nobody connected this connected to this administration not a single one of them is going to be remembered well Well, you're not you're gonna see well you're gonna excuse me again hold on dang it I, yeah, well, I mean, I feel fine. It's just I, I'm congested, so and and I've got this kind of a scratchy throat. But um, I tell you what, you uh, Tara, and, yeah, <laughs> you're going to see an avalanche of books come out. I mean, after <laughs> this coming summer, I mean, everybody that that's left. I mean, I'm sure. Kelly's going to write a book. I'm sure Huckabee Sanders is going to write a book. Um, yeah. Who else? I mean, every, uh, by I the mean, way, shame Ayers, on anybody. Nick Ayers, Nick Ayers will write a book. Oh, my God. Shame on anybody who gives them a book deal. 
shame, shame, no. shame, because oh, you're oh, enabling. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, CC. There's, there's a problem with the publishing industry. I guarantee you they got their checkbooks open right now to those people. I mean, but here's I the promise thing. you. What, <laughs> really, though? Take a look. Yeah. How well did Omarosa's book sell? I mean, there was an initial like excitement around it, and then everything died. So um, I don't know that there's much of a market for these people after this administration goes away, unless it's somebody you really want to hear from. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't need, after this administration is gone, I literally don't need to hear from anybody connected to it. Ever. There's not one sympathetic character. There's not one person that you feel badly for. There's no, nothing. They, they should not profit from uh, doing nothing but unleashing misery on this country. They should not be able to get a book deal. They should not be able to go on a book tour. They should not be able to go on television all prettied up with makeup and, and nice clothes and try to sell their bullshit as a cake. They can't. I mean, they can and they will, but they should not be able to, and they should not be able to profit the fact that they contributed to treason and treachery and crime at the expense of the American people. So I'm talking to you, Scaramucci. I'm talking to you, Sarah Sanders. I'm talking to you, Kellyanne Conway, Corey Lewandowski. Anybody who's still walking around free, Sam Nunberg, all of the remaining people who are still walking around free, and if they make that attempt, I will be here to call you on your shit. There are too many good people in the world who don't get a break. And after this administration is gone, none of these people should have an easy time at all. Sorry. Nope. Yep. And if, well, you know, that's, that's the way I see it. You don't, you don't get rewarded for being an asshole anymore. Okay. You don't. Once we're done with this administration, with, once we are done with the Adderall-sniffing, serial sexual abuser, uh, once we're done with him and everybody associated with him, I believe that we should give them the treatment that they deserve, which is completely ignoring that they exist. You remove the oxygen and you take away the energy and you turn your focus forward once we are done with them. History will take care of it. And uh, I will say once again, you know, uh, rolling into uh, all of the news of the week and wrapping it up, you know, in, in a tiny bow is not possible. But I will say that when this week began, we were having one conversation and now at, on Friday we're having another one. And as we always do, because it seems like seven years ago that it was Monday, um, they're really openly talking about impeachment as a real thing now, not as a potential, not as a wish list thing, but as a real thing. Malcolm Nance, especially, lead, is leading the call for a nullification of the election. Um, this is, you know, a huge moment in history, obviously, um, when they are talking this strongly about impeachment. I think it's something that we really uh, need to listen to. And the problem is just that you have these people who are saying, but the country, we can't put the country through an impeachment. Oh my goodness. Excuse me. We have survived so much. We survived 9-11. We have survived a lot of things. We have survived two years of an illegitimate presidency, asterisk. We can survive a completely legitimate, legitimate impeachment process. 
I believe this with all of my heart and soul. So uh, we saw the strength of Nancy Pelosi this week. We saw her leadership potential. She has sewn up that speaker role um, pretty much. And in a couple of weeks when our house is sworn in, there's going to be some action. And I'm excited to see what's, what's coming because we've been waiting for a really long time for this to happen. And uh, the best was Michael Cohen being sentenced one year to the day that I met Hillary Clinton. And I tweeted it. Um, and it was interesting because think about a year. 565,000. Um, <clears throat> how do we get through a year in the life? Well, we made it through all of last year and we're still here. And a year ago, Hillary Clinton sat on a stage in Portland, Oregon. It was the same night that Doug Jones won. Big night. And she was saying something like, well, a year from now, we're going to know a lot more. And a year from now. And I remember sitting there in the audience listening to her and knowing that she was right. She's been right all along. But a year has passed. And a year to the day she said those words, Michael Cohen got sentenced. And everybody was sharing that tweet of Michael Cohen telling Hillary Clinton that when she went to prison, her room and board would be free. That may be the best tweet that has ever resurfaced. Because I love karma so very much. Um, so with that, uh, we're really seeing the walls not just closing in on Trump, but he should be feeling like he can't breathe right about now. Because yeah. Um, the Cohen, yeah. the Cohen sentencing is really, I mean, we've been saying this for a while. Oh, this is the beginning of the end. No, no, no. This is the beginning of the end. The Cohen sentencing is truly the beginning of the end. And what they're more scared about, <clears throat> excuse me, in the white house, what they are more scared about than the Cohen sentencing is the non-prosecution agreement with AMI, the parent company of the national Enquirer. And the immunity deal with both David Pecker and Alan Weisselberg, because between David Pecker and Alan Weisselberg, they know where every single body is buried, where every single check went, where Alan Weisselberg knows all of the tax stuff, and both David Pecker and Alan Weisselberg have full immunity. Donald Trump is way more scared about those two than Michael Cohen. He can't, yeah. he can't um, say anything. Yeah. He has not said anything publicly about David Pecker and Alan Weisselberg. He's incredibly scared about that because uh, they know. Changing, they know. yeah. I, I want to change gears here real quickly, uh, Chara, um, if uh, you don't mind. We're going to change. Go for it, baby. It's, I, yeah, it's our I want to. Friday. There, there is a there. There's a couple things that that I absolutely want us to touch on. No, not touch on. I want us to you know to talk about this. Um, one is, um, let me find, um, the, um, hold on, I'm looking for it, um, and I will find it in a second. Um, Nick Kristoff, uh, the New York Times, uh, op-ed columnist, um, incredible writer, um, yes. he, uh, had a piece on, uh, Yemen, and, um, the headline of the piece is, this is what our Yemen policy looks like. And it has a little girl, uh, um, you know, emaciated. Oh, God. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, uh, so heartbreaking. Uh, her, her name is Avar, and um, she's 12. 
And um, I encourage everybody, you can go over there, and and I don't know if it's still up on the front page or still up on the front page of the opinion uh, opinion page, but um, you can find it. Nick Kristoff wrote it, Um, and I encourage everybody to read it. Um, It's heartbreaking. um, It makes you question what, um, you know, what, what are we doing? Um, What have we been doing for years? Why do we continue? Why do we continue to fund the Saudis when they are cutting off? Why are we continuing to be involved in this war over there? And this is, this goes way back. I mean, this has been going on for, for a long time. And so uh, it's, you know, you have Saudi Arabia basically cutting off the food supply to Yemen. And if you go and read Nick Kristoff's uh, piece, he breaks down the numbers for you. And the numbers are gut-wrenching. I'm telling you, if you read that piece and you're not, if you're not shedding a tear um, and you're not choked up and you're not energized to do something to take some action to call a representative to call a senator and i i don't know what kind of person you are then you know but it, it's our policy it's so heartbreaking it's got a, it's, it's genocide and it makes I mean, you feel hopeless i mean because yeah. it's so far away and you feel so helpless because you're like, okay, I'm going to donate some money. I'm going to donate to the Red Cross or to UNICEF or, you know, the World, you know, some uh, World Health Organization, something that will go in and help the people who are starving there. But you still feel so helpless because you're like, I don't know if my money is actually going to go help to feed these children, these, these starving people. And to answer your question, uh, the why around Saudi Arabia, it's money. Well, They're the richest country, the, the oil, and they they can they have this death grip on that part of the world. Well, here's and, the thing, though, it, and it goes deeper than that. You know, it's it's here. It's the United States and the Saudis. They think of Yemen of the Yemen war as a way to keep a keep a check on Iran. And we look, we've got the we are long. My that's maybe an area of of policy that I'm we're. You could say I'm very progressive and thought we we it's long overdue that we make we we make friends with Iran and stop this nonsense. Um, Trump made things exponentially worse by stomping out Obama's Iran deal that he had um, that was putting us well on our way to a friendship with Iran and creating some. Uh, you know, stability, God, you know, some st- stability in the Middle East, but that's kind of a what, that's sort of an oxymoron, huh? I mean, it's, it's, listen, I mean, our, that's, that's really the, that's really the, the idea there is the United States and the Saudis think of the Yemen war as a way to keep check on Iran. And um, then you, you obviously have Israel in there because Israel, you know, they, you know, they, they, they want, you know, it, if they could nuke Iran yesterday, they would have. And, um, but 85, 85, 85,000 children have already died. 85,000, 85,000, 85,000 children already died. So, you know, what is it going to take? Um, 
I that, don't know what you know, it takes. We got to get I, out I, of honestly, war. I don't. So, well, the Senate, the Senate stepped up to the plate, and um, <clears throat> there was 41 senators who were that decided to not go along, but that was fine. We had the majority vote on it, and um, I don't know the details of it, but the the um, the Senate has decided to um, 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 to yank uh, to get us out of that war and ham basically to hamstring the Saudis to to um, if we're not going to be there for the Saudis and arming them, supplying them with weapons, and we're not going to continue to be a part of this war with Yemen. Then the Saudis will have no choice, basic basically, but to end their war because they're they're pairing. It's the Saudis and in America, um, and it's all a, it's all this plan to to you know to keep a check on Iran. That Iran is just you know I mean they're you know they're so, <laughs> unbelievable. I mean it's it just it's really unbelievable. This war has gone on this long, and and it went on during Obama's administration. And, you know, again, you know, when everybody would say, and yes, plenty of times Obama, you know, he governed from the center, bless his heart, and and he, you know, he would try to appease the right occasionally, more than occasionally, and he and he would openly admit that today, but, but this whole Middle East policy of, 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 you know, Iran, we've got to keep them in check because of Israel, and we've got to keep them in check because they're you know, we're going to get, I mean, it's just, it's unfathomable to me that we're willing to do all these things while 85, what's the number, 85,000, 85, uh, 85 children, 85,000 already. That's a small small city or a large town, 85,000. Think about a whole small, you know, a whole small city being eradicated. Think about that. And, you know, and yeah. I think the biggest issue here, honestly, Jason, is that too many people in this country think it has nothing to do with them and it's not their problem. My kids aren't starving. I'm not starving. I got food. Yeah. Right. It's so far away that it doesn't right. feel like it has any impact in this country. But it absolutely yeah. does because we well, not. And I, you know, and I hate to use the word we because I certainly am not someone who supports the current administration's behavior. And when people say we as a country, like I don't want to have to take responsibility for what this administration does. I don't want to, but we as a country right now, uh, our illegitimate leadership are, it was this, the story came out the other day where Pompeo, Pompeo, Trump and Jared Kushner, all three of them, decided that they would not believe the CIA's uh, report on what happened to Jamal Khashoggi. They're like, no, I don't believe that. This. No, Mm-mm. the three of us don't believe the CIA. So when you have that, when this administration is like, well, we're, we're owned by Saudi Arabia and we're going to align with Saudi Arabia their fan base is like, well, we don't have to care about Yemen because Saudi Arabia is our friend and whatever they're doing to Yemen, it's because Yemen deserves it. That's the, that's the attitude because that's the attitude they're told to have. 
But let's be honest. Oh, we don't believe let's this? Be, oh, okay. let, you know what I'm saying? It's like that whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever Trump says is the truth and whatever his right. attitude is, it becomes the fan oil. base's attitude. This is about it's oil. And everybody about, looks through the bag with the oil. So Yeah, this is about I, oil. You know, this thing. is about dependency on fossil fuels. Um, you know, the United just, States... And look, that all ties into the climate change initiative. And if we weren't so dependent on fossil fuels, we wouldn't need Saudi Arabia. But, but many, so many people don't know that the United States is a partner in this war that has collapsed Yemen's economy. I mean, it's totally collapsed your economy. So, I mean, there's, I mean, children, the elderly, you know, everybody is starving to death over there. I mean, you're basically, I mean, and the United States is a full-on partner in this and has been. Has been for years, and you know, I mean, and all during the Obama administration as well. Has Trump made it worse? Yes, he's made it worse in the in the aspect that that you know he stomped out the Iran deal that you know Obama was trying so hard and got hammered so much for just trying to make peace and 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 have a and you know bring a stability bring. Some sort of stability, and you got to start somewhere in the Middle East, for God's sakes, you know, and bring some sort of stability between Iran and the United States. And Obama was trying to do that, but this, you know, this 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 partner that we've been in with Saudi with the Saudis against um, against Yemen is is gone on far too long. And and is there is there truth? I mean, is there is there is there a truth that that you know some of the rebels inside of Yemen, um, the healthy rebels, um, you know, who govern much of the country? I mean, yes, yeah, some of them are backed by Iran, but that's that's but that's not that's not uh, that's not enough. <laughs> that's not nearly enough to say, well, we're gonna you know w- you know we'll we'll be complicit in starving the whole. The whole, this whole little country, and starving these children to death, and started and starving these children to death. You know, it, it, some, it's, something's got to, you know, something's got. It, it's just again, and and we, no we talk about Trump so much. Thing. Yeah, we talk about Trump so much, but it, you know, it, again, this, this, it, it's run so much deeper than, than, um, than just Trump. I mean, it's, it's this, you know, it's this Republican. War, it's this Republican war machine. Um, but you know, once Democrats have been complicit in it too. I mean, let let's you know, I'm you know, let, let me, I'm gonna you know, let's let's lay blame where you know where it should 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 lay, and and people take responsibility. Um, the Senate did you know step up and say you know they're you know they don't want to you know we're we're gonna they want the United States out of there. And we don't need to be giving funneling any more money or any more weapons, you know, over to the Saudis. But and then however. Tara, we, yeah, yeah. However, and then, and then we have um, the story of the seven-year-old migrant girl um, that was taken no, into custody by by border I patrol. I can't read that story. I can't yeah. read that story beyond the headline. Because the headlines are horrific enough that this little girl was emaciated, she was dehydrated, she was starving, and she was in custody for hours before anybody did anything and she was in for shock her. As well, and so, how, how 
these are children. These are somebody's babies. And these are Nazi tactics. They are coming into our country and nobody is taking care of them because nobody is seeing them as human beings. And it's disgusting. And this is one of the biggest blights on this administration as far as I am concerned. That, and she's not the first child to die in their custody. And it's disgusting. It's abhorrent. It's inhuman. And it's unconscionable. And it's borderline unspeakable. You are already causing so much human misery by separating these families that most of them will never be reunited. I can't even fathom. I can't. I, as a mother, as a human being, my older son just came home from college and he'll be home for six weeks. It's, I know where he is, but, and the separation from him is, is difficult, but at least I know where he is and I know he's going to come home and I know he's fine. To not know where my children would be, I, I, I don't know. I would be coming out of my own skin. I don't know how you deal with it. I really don't. And I also don't know how you are continuing to support this administration. And in your Twitter bio, the first word is Christian, and you don't care that children are dying in the custody of this administration. You're not a Christian. You're a hypocrite. You're disgusting. And you're doing, you're, yeah. you're the problem. Yeah. And you're not doing anything to demand that this administration reunite these families and take care of these children. You're doing nothing. It's this little seven-year-old girl and her father. Seven years. This little se- oh my God. seven-year-old girl and her father. They were taken into custody. Taken into custody uh, and at about 10 p.m. on December 6. Tara, some eight hours later, um, the little seven-year-old girl started having seizures, and. Oh, of the uh, emergency responders, um, they took her body temperature. Her body temperature was 105.7. I, poor baby girl. I just, I um, can't. I just, so, but let, so... I, I'm telling you, it's hard to read, but I, everybody should hear it and everybody should read it because I'm going to tell you something. I, I led with Yemen for a reason and then came up with this one because Yemen, we will know. Um, from the world reports what you know we we, you know, we're, we know a number we have a number we have 85,000 here with what's going on there on the border in the border patrol and inside this Trump administration and the ICE agents and this and all this conglomerate down there with all these families all these little ones all these children that are making these long hikes across the Mexican desert up from Central and South America up here to um, seeking seeking asylum, you know, seeking safe passage, um, and and such. W- look, this is one. This is one. I I brought up Yemen for a reason. That we have a number on that. This is one we're reading about. I promise you. I promise you. There are unfortunately, and it makes me sad, and I'm and, and I'm it, it hurts my heart, and I'm choked up right now because I'm very close to the yeah. Hispanic. I've been down there on the border many, many times. Fuck all of y'all who out there who says whatever, but fuck y'all. And but I mean, I'm very, I'm very close and to this. Tommy so Lauren I know calling the my point being, my, Right. My point being is, is this one? You could add a few zeros to that. That's so know. horrifying. All of it is horrifying. You can all add right. a few zeros Let's to um. That. 
Yeah, it's, when it all, it's hard. I fun. guarantee you, Tara, when this Trump administration is done and this all comes out in the wash, what took place down there on the Mexico border would be nothing short of a genocide. There is going to be numbers that will send people, uh, people, I mean, you would literally, I, I'm, I'm really, I know the numbers of deaths. That's going to be when the real numbers in this administration is done and an investigation is done and committees are brought about to see exactly what happened down there. You're going to hear numbers in the thousands. It turns my stomach. It turns my stomach, and it, it should make every American citizen livid, absolutely livid. And I'm, I think the other, the other issue – is the fact that this his fan base now is all about distraction and uh you know funneling in as much false narrative as they can around the Cohen sentencing and everyone is not focused on this issue anymore because this administration has piled so much shit on us that we there are just things that we forget not forget about but that fall through the cracks or get sidelined because a new issue pops up and this is one that they want to cover up. And Trump himself has already said that he does not care what happens to certain things and that, you know, what happens to, uh, you know, Wall Street, what happens to the Dow, what happens to anything, because when he's done, he's done and he's just going to walk away and be somebody else's mess, mess to clean up. And that's him historically. He has always done that. He runs up uh, millions of dollars in debt and then walks away. He creates projects that go bankrupt, and then he walks away. He makes messes and expects other people to clean them up. And so I say you remove him from office, and we get this mess cleaned up a lot sooner. Uh, eventually, we'll have to undo all of the awful that he has done, and that'll take a little time. Um, but we're also getting a lot of help in making that happen. Michael Cohen sentencing, uh, Manafort still to be sentenced, Michael Flynn, and we have a brand new, uh, you know, all of these new things that are coming out. They're investigating the inauguration committee now for the misappropriation of those inauguration funds. And where did they go? We know those funds didn't go to crowd control, Jason. So $107 million <laughs> raised. And where'd it go? Where'd it go? Nobody seems yeah. to know. And then everybody's favorite spying Russian, Maria Butina, is fully cooperating because she has pled guilty. And she is fully and cooperating. Don't you know she's got some juicy stuff on some of these GOP? Oh <laughs> boy, all of these photos emerging of I mean, members I of get, the Republican now, Party case, with photos of there's a picture in of her this case, Tara. We would always yep. we, we've speculated through Trump's administration, you know, through this 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 Trump's administration is two years. Of, of hell, we speculated that Trump. There was videotapes out there of Trump. This, that, and the other. You know, who knows? Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. I guarantee. I don't know about Trump. That I, I. But I guarantee you, this was a Russian spy. You think out oh, there, Rick hello? Santorum? Rick Santorum. Rick. Rick Santorum. You know. Paul you think Erickson. Dana you know, Rohrabacher. She's Don got you, – you can be guaranteed. This is a Russian spy. You think she doesn't have video and audio of all this stuff? Oh, she's stuff? got video? 
She's got audio. There's no way she wasn't wired. Uh, she was a plant. You watch, there's uh, plenty of video of her right I'm after Donald on. Trump had declared his candidacy, of her asking how, she, how he will create good relations with her country and drop this, is he going to continue with the sanctions? Um, but the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, is that Maria Butina used her vagina to gain <laughs> access to the GOP and the NRA. And she knows things and she knows who got money and for Boy. what. And she is still considered the girlfriend of Republican strategist Paul Erickson. So Paul Erickson knows things, um, and uh, he's going to be in a lot of big trouble. And basically, I, I will bet cash money, Jason, because there is a photo of her. Well, first of all, there's a photo of her with Sheriff David Clark. There's a photo oh, yeah. of her with Don Jr., my favorite is yep. the fact that there is a photo of her with Don Jr. Because I will guarantee that Don Jr. stood still while she got on her knees for him. I will bet you cash Monet because he is the disgusting slimeball piece of shit just like his father. And he certainly had no problem running away from his family to go around the world with Kimmy Golddigger Gilfoyle, who is quickly turning into a Melania bot. She looks exactly like Melania used to, but Melania dyed her hair blonde. So she would look like both Stormy Daniels and Ivanka Trump. So, because Donald Trump Jeez. certainly has a type, <laughs> doesn't he? Um, that's a bad blonde. By the way, the gay who did Melania's dye job, shame on you, girl. I mean, unless Melania pissed you off and that was a revenge dye job, that's one of the worst blonde jobs I've ever seen. Bad. It's like she did it herself with some nice and easy in the bathroom like I end up having to do because I can't afford to pay a, hair, a hairdresser. I actually know how to do my roots, though. But, uh, <laughs> Melanie, girl, you need a better hairdresser because that was it, – it's not pretty. It's not pretty. So, uh, but Maria Boutina delights She looks like Fabio. She looks like she looks, Fabio. Oh, she looked – I mean, it, it's, it's she such looks an odd – like, I, I tweeted – you put that, but you put the the interview that she did where she's complaining, you know, everybody treats her so badly. Yeah, boo fucking who? Hashtag be best yourself. Um, but she looks, I put that photo of her next to a picture of Stormy Daniels and a picture of Ivanka. It's like, really, you really can't even tell them apart anymore. So it's all disgusting. They're all just so disgusting. They are all just so disgusting. And the fact that, uh, you know, we are, we know what we know. As we, we always say we're going to keep the Friday show to an hour, and we never do. Uh, we know what we know because of the Cohen sentencing, and this is what I want to take into the weekend, because uh, you have to remember the Cohen sentencing is only the tip of the iceberg. Because there's still the Southern District of New York, there's still the case that the that the Attorney General is going to bring the incoming Attorney General of the State of New York, uh, what's her, Letitia Adams. I don't know if. Her last name is Adams. I know her first name is Letitia. Um, she's already said, oh, I'm going after them. I am going after the Trump organization. You can be sure of this. Um, so good things are coming for those who wait as uh, we roll into the weekend and people are trying to blow off the Cohen sentencing. Like he's lying to protect himself. He's lying to make Trump look bad 
but you have to remember is, and I don't, I wish I could credit the person who said this. It may have been Nick Confessori on, on MSNBC, but I can't be positive for Michael Cohen to be lying in the situation that he's in, which me, would have meant he would have lied to have gotten himself in the situation in the first place. Like he lied to make sure he would get in trouble. He lied to be arrested. He lied to get to the point where he is just so he could lie more and lie more and lie more to embarrass the president, which is the most ridiculous counter argument for why Michael Cohen got sentenced to three years. Yeah, he's just he created these lies to make himself look bad. And then he's just having to continue to lie. Uh, No, actually, he lied to Congress and he did everything that he did at Donald Trump's bidding. And now he has come clean. Sorry, you don't like it, but that happens to be the truth. And they also have pointed out that you don't get to this point in a federal investigation, you don't get to testify and you don't get to a sentencing hearing unless you have given up all of the information. They now have everything. Mueller has everything. The Southern District of New York has everything. So nothing Michael Cohen confessed to is a lie. Everything that he uh, said under oath is true. Sorry if you don't like it. Going forward, get used to hearing the word impeachment a whole lot more. And as we wrap the show today, Jason, I will once again reiterate that I firmly believe that if we have been able to survive this long in this current horrific hostile environment, we absolutely will be able to survive the removal of this hostile environment. And I'm in it for however long it takes. And I don't care how many people have to testify in front of Congress let, let it take as long as it takes. We will find out all of the truths of what this administration has done, and we will get, the, we will get him out of office before 2020. I believe this with all my heart. Yes. Yes. Um, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> as we wrap up today, um, after 23 years, um, I have a number of friends that have worked over at the Weekly Standard. And um, oh yeah, still uh, and some still are there. After 23 years, the uh, Weekly Standard um, is folding. Uh, they're done, and um, so everybody's out of a job over there. Basically, uh, you know, I, I've responded. I've actually responded to a couple people um, that I opened up some tweets, Tara, and replied to some people uh, and let what? them know that there was Who there was once a, there was once upon a time that Republicans and Democrats got along and um it was a it was a glory time. It was called yes. pre twenty fifteen. Yes. And look, um what happened to the Weekly Standard? Well, uh, you know, there was a couple really good tweets out there, one from my friend Eric Erickson and um Bill Crystal himself. Um but I think Eric Erickson's tweet um really nails it and, and really in short it was because Bill Crystal and Stephen Hayes and all of them were never Trump from the get go. And they've remained steadfast, never Trump Republican conservatives. Um are they yeah, I mean, you know, Crystal and all of them over there have always been uh neocons. That's no big secret. I mean they're big Rubio supporters. Um, you know, uh neoconservatives and uh but um, yeah, I mean, that's really the reason why. 
um, you know, they 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 really boomed during uh, uh, W's presidency. Um, but yeah, they're they're closing. Um, the thir- uh, 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 how many people here? Uh, Thirty-five member editorial staff, um, all uh, all out of a job, and here at Christmas. Um, so yeah, and you know, I mean, it's it's. I always encourage people, Tara, to, you know, go and when I say, I say people should go and read, you know, take the time to go out and read what the other side is saying. And, and, and I always kind of preface that by saying, I'm not talking about going and reading the whack job places like Gateway Pundit and all that crap. I'm not going out and there to read legitimate Republican conservative sites just to see what they're saying, get a feel of what's going on. You know, if, you know, and that's what I, I mean, that's something that I do regularly. Um, but, um, so yeah, I mean, the weekly standard is done for being never Trump and, um, the, uh, that, that's it. Trump has killed a lot of things and literally and figuratively and, uh, his, 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 his massacre continues and, yep. Well, Michael Cohen went on the television and talked to George Stephanopoulos about uh, all of the things. And uh, here's a shocker. Donald Trump knew everything. Okay. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And, you know, what's so interesting, and as we're we're trying to wrap here, yesterday, uh, here's what I'm noticing. I did get slightly trolled yesterday. But not like I used to, not like I'm used to when I make a blanket statement like this should happen or that should happen and people jump my shit. I don't know that, uh, I mean, and I, we also saw a big purge, didn't we, of a lot of uh, Twitter accounts. A lot of fake accounts got purged. Yes. Uh, so mm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we're done with bots and trolling. We never will be. I'm seeing a reduction in it. And it may be that a lot of the other side is finally realizing there is almost nothing we can do now. We cannot deny these facts. When you have um, Judge Napolitano on Fox News, when you have Fox News accurately reporting the Cohen sentencing with zero spin, they're not trying to sugarcoat it in any way. Judge Napolitano was on Fox News saying that he fully expects Donald Trump to be indicted. He said it live on Fox News in front of people who are watching Fox News. Their narrative becomes very different when one of their own starts speaking the truth. Right? So, and our good friend Sherry Jacobus on Monday. Remember on Monday? I mean, that great clip that you've been tweeting a lot. She told us on Monday why Rupert Murdoch had a private meeting with with Mitch McConnell. And it that was about clip, Fox have News. You looked at the, that clip has gotten so many listens. I, I mean, in As the thousands should. and thousands. Yes. Because before she said it, I never would have considered it. But as soon as she said it, it made 100% sense. Right? Yeah. And they just, and it's like she said it and it immediately started happening. And I messaged her more than once saying, man, you were just spot on. Yeah. It's, and it's the, it's the quote-unquote real journalists on Fox News who are 
saying these things. It's not, you know, what we what we're going and even I hate to give her any credit. Laura Ingraham was saying uh, when he was trying to talk about the wall, she's like, "There's not a wall. You can't say there's parts of a wall there aren't. It's not there." So she's starting <laughs> to tell the truth about him. If she's starting to tell the truth, wow! Oh boy. So you, you, I yeah. Mean, there's, I, you, you know what? Hear I said, Hannity, yeah. I right? mean, that's just right. There's, what did Michael Cohen fix for Sean Hannity, by the way? And don't you think Bob Mueller knows that as well? And I'm don't you think sure David Pecker does. knows that? I'm sure David Pecker knows too. And David Pecker has immunity. And Sean Hannity went and deleted a whole bunch of tweets he had written in support of Michael Cohen. They're all gone now. I mean, I'm sure there are screenshots because screenshots last forever. But right. Michael Cohen's only other client was one of, he had three clients and one was Sean Hannity. So how Sean Hannity is still uh, feeling any kind of positivity is beyond me because he should, he should be grabbing his ankles at this point, Sean Hannity. He should be dialing Bob Mueller's office furiously begging for immunity is what Sean Hannity should be doing instead of yeah. continuing to support this traitorous administration. So what yep. does Michael Cohen know about Sean Hannity? And I'm sure, what does Bob Mueller know about Sean Hannity? We're going to find out. We're I know for a out, fact. Sean. I can tell you, I know for a fact, and I'm not going to give out any sources or anything, but I can tell you for a fact that I can, for a fact that Sean Hannity has been a frequent guest of many gentlemen's clubs, including many here in Houston. Oh, that is here. not a surprise in any way. Private yeah. lap dances, perhaps? Oh, yeah. Private? Not yep. so private? Him and, Who knows? Him and Ted Cruz. But, you know. And Trump. So. You know, they all party yep. together. There was yeah. a, a very famous um, strip club in Manhattan called Scores. Where all the sports, I don't know if it still exists because I haven't lived there in a very long time. But when I was living in New York in the 90s, all of the sports celebrities went to scores. And they, it was legendary, legendary. They would go and drop you know, tens of thousands of dollars on the strippers at scores. And they were apparently the most beautiful strippers in all of Manhattan. And there's bragging rights, isn't there? Um, but Donald Trump loved to go to scores. That there's some there's some stories from back in the day that I wish people would tell about Donald Trump at scores. I bet some of the Mets and the Yankees could tell you some stories. Oh, yeah, I bet. Basically, I bet. Lord. Well, look, hey, Lord. we're gonna wrap this thing up for today, and yeah, um, yeah, we're gonna wrap this up. If you missed any of the show today, um, you can go back and you can catch us. Here in about 15 minutes, once the pod wraps up, right here on TaylorTerrorRadio.com, you can listen or download it, um, or you can go to any of your favorite podcast listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play Music, Podbean, just about well, literally everywhere. And Or simply go to Google and type in Taylor Terror Radio, and um, you'll see the results there, and you'll see a couple pages of where you can find the show coming up on Monday's show, our very special guest, Sarah Burris um, from Raw Story, um, is going to be joining us. So, um, yeah, that's going to be really good. And, um, yeah, she's good. She's, 
She's she's good. So um, excited to have Sarah Burris on with us Monday. Uh, until then, everyone have a great weekend. Terry, you have a fabulous weekend. I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do my best. I don't have a whole lot going on, but I'll do my best to have a good weekend. You too. Yeah, all right. Uh, everybody out there, please follow the show on Twitter at Taylor Terror Radio. Follow me and Tara on Twitter. Me, that would be Jason at Jway Taylor and Tara at Tara Dublin Rocks on Twitter. That's going to do it for us today. See everyone bright and early Monday. Have a wonderful and safe weekend. Bye, y'all.